Mac Mother Fucking McClung, baby. Hey Carter, um have you ever heard of a guy named um Zion Williamson and another guy named uh RJ Barrett? Yeah, I feel like I've heard those names before. Why? Yeah, I mean it's not really a big deal or anything, but they were the top two players in this past year's recruiting class, and uh, a little a little kid from uh, Gay City, Virginia, three-star recruit, not really a big name or anything, just joined them being a uh, nationally uh, recognized freshman of uh, the week the other day for his uh, 38-point performance. Wow. Maybe we should start calling him Mac McCash. Oh, baby, because he's making it rain out here. <laughs> oh, man. Every, I, I still smile like a little girl here in that replay. It's incredible, even with Fanta calling it. Ah, what a le- That's just two legends colliding <laughs> for one of the most amazing calls. Like, this, it's, it's Oscar-worthy right there. Oh, man. I mean, first of all, when John Fanta puts on the headset, I mean, you're in for a good time. <laughs> Second of all, when McClung is making four-point plays, taking it to the rack, hitting outside shots, making plays off the dribble, I mean, what more could you possibly fucking want from this kid? Yeah, I, I don't want to overreact, but I think he might be the next coming of Jesus Christ. See, you know, I think that might actually be a little bit disrespectful to our Lord and Savior, Mac McClung. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. But for those of you that don't know, Mac McClung dropped 38 points against the Little Rock Trojans earlier this winter break. He went 10 for 21 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, 14 of 16 from the, uh, the charity stripe, 3 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, and only 2 turnovers. That, oh, man, he, he did a really good job of exacting revenge on Little Rock for busting my bracket two years ago against Purdue. You remember yeah. that game? Yeah. yeah. You and I were actually talking about it. That the three-pointer that Little Rock banked in the force over. Oh, my God. So reminiscent of that uh, three-pointer to tie it against Purdue. Yeah. This little dude, Josh Hagens, little 6'1 guy. He's actually from D.C., now that I look up his page. But, yeah, uh, fuck you, Little Rock, and yay, Matt. Let's <laughs> start the podcast. <laughs> and with that, here we go. Howard What's up? Is Howard actually in Washington, D.C.? Or are they just outside of it? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I really I can't say I know. I th- I'm pretty sure they're in D.C. Yeah, I would think they're, so. They're too. one of the historically black schools, and I think D.C. is a – yeah. Yeah, it's in D.C. Yeah, well, you know what? They still learned that the hard way a couple of days <laughs> yesterday, actually, where Georgetown dropped them by 30 freaking points. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's it's weird because 
I just want to make a quick comment on the uh, on our national anthem, I should say. Um, it, it feels like weird that I'm the song's starting to grow on me. I oh, think the really? Stockholm syndrome of being a Hoya fan is just it's like going up a level. See, it's funny for me because freshman year, when I heard that play, I was always like, wow, what is this song? This is so cool. They got like a DC song for Georgetown. And now as like a senior, I'm just like, Jesus, like, what were you doing, kid? <laughs> you calling me a freshman? Well, we can all look back on our freshman year and, and say the mistakes were made, I'm sure. Oh, we could sit here. It would be a therapy session rather than... <laughs> That'd be a whole three hours. Yeah, totally. And granted, a podcast on Georgetown basketball could be considered a therapy session for some. Yeah, I don't know if it makes things better, though. <laughs> no, he just reads uh, the pain. But yeah. Yeah, also, quick shout out. Uh, welcome back to everybody. I know we said in our last episode that we take about a three-week hiatus, but as you can tell, we clearly were too impatient for that. Um, Dan and I are both calling each other right now trying to get this done uh and we just really couldn't sit away from it too long a lot has happened since the Syracuse game yeah a lot has we've played four games our non-conference schedule has actually concluded and we're going to be picking up Big East play this week Big East baby yeah January 2nd at Hinkle Fieldhouse against Butler renewing and uh, our classic rivalry with Butler that usually ends poorly for us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't even remind me of that Trayvon Blewett four-point play last year. Oh, that was uh, – I, I think I've been deep in that. Ah, oh, man. Well, we know those will happen this year, and we'll get into the schedule in more detail eventually. But like Dan had just mentioned before I cut him off, um, Georgetown played yesterday uh, and walloped the poor souls of the Howard Bison. By 35? I think, did we get 40 at some point? We pushed it to 40 at some point. We did, yeah, we did. Yeah, that was, that was a hell of a game. And do you How much are you reading into it? Uh, a little bit. I, I, we were texting during the game, and I think it was around halftime. And I think you asked me the same question, and I was like, yeah, I don't – it's Howard. Like, they, they're barely a Division One team. But, <laughs> I mean, it just felt so goddamn good. To obliterate a mid-major team. I mean, my oh my! Oh, it was like you were sitting on the TV and you were just like, you know what? Like, we may not get this early, get this often. We had a horrible non-conference schedule, but you know what? God fucking damn it! I'm gonna enjoy this. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You know it's unsustainable and you know it's unrealistic, but it's almost like a vacation. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a little trip abroad. It was it was a nice game. I mean. It's funny looking at the box score, just how like one-sided everything is. We had two very, very strong performances from our bigs. Uh, that's kind of like makes sense that when you play a mid-major team, they have less size. Um, but the stars of the game were definitely Jesse and Josh. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, I think it is a little bit of a blessing in disguise when we look back at Trey Morning, unfortunately, getting a concussion and that's what catapulted Josh LeBlanc into the starting lineup. And he's basically taken that position and ran with it, especially yeah. after the performance against Howard. He, he was perfect from the field, 7 of 7, 8 of 12 from the line, 11 boards, 3 assists, a steal, a block, 1 turnover, and 22 points. Including about 5 put-back dunks. <laughs> yeah. And 2 jumpers, too. We both mm-hmm. noted that. Yeah. 
He's beginning yeah. to show off a little bit of a nice touch from the outside, which could be devastatingly crucial to Georgetown when breaking down some of these Big East teams in the upcoming yeah. schedule. Oh, 100%. He'll act as a secondary, um, almost like mid-high post uh, ball handler. If Mac and James have trouble getting into the paint, they can just get it to Josh, and then he can have a high-low game with Jesse, like Trey did a little bit in the beginning of the year. Um, and I do want to give Trey props uh, for being the ultimate team player. Uh, it was obviously in his plan that uh, he knew taking a foot to the face would be what this team needed. <laughs> yeah, poor Trey. <laughs> poor Trey. <laughs> I know. I know. I just that's you know it's a real veteran move by a graduate student to accidentally get kicked in the face. The phenomenal recognition. So that, so that yeah, just the recognition is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing of note with this game as well was Jesse Govan slowly breaking out of that slump that had plagued him since mm-hmm. the Syracuse game. You could tell right off the bat he was aggressive with his jump shot, but all of his shots were kind of falling a little flat. And I mean, obviously you can just be like, you need to get more leg into it. You need to get more leg in it. But that can really hurt an outside shooter mentally. Because then you start oh, to yeah. think more about your shot. And as soon as you get inside your head, Carter, I mean, you're screwed. Oh, my God, yeah. That's the last thing you want to do. I was getting worried when you said that, too, because Jesse's conditioning was a bit of an issue last year, too, um, when Big East play started. And I was like, oh, Lord, not now. I mean, he'd <laughs> been doing even more now than he was at the beginning of last year for us. And I was, I was scared. But he, you know, he ended up coming on strong. By the second half, he was just he was unguardable. Yeah, he was, and this game was so big because if we want to have any chance of legitimately competing in the Big East this year and surprising a lot of different pundits, Govan's going to need to be on close to every single game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and it was nice to see a step on a team's throat, too. That had been a little bit of an issue for us. Um, the You know, after Syracuse was the three games after that were characterized by a lot of close finishes and a lot of us playing down to our competition level. But this was a really friendly reminder of uh, where Georgetown stands, I should say. Yeah, I think it was. And I noted to you during the game that we were favored by 18 points, and they jumped out to a 7 nothing lead. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is Georgetown. This is what it does. <laughs> <laughs> this is Georgetown. This is what Georgetown does. And then their fans remember that, you know, they ate themselves being Georgetown fans. <laughs> But I think a real big positive from this game came from just like the all-around smart play on offense from us. And one thing I did note was that we ran the break exceptionally well Mm -hmm. that game. And a lot of it actually wasn't James. James didn't play a whole lot. He started off the game real rocky with a couple of turnovers and missed jumpers. Only played 15 minutes. Jagan came in the game early. And him and Greg Malinowski, along with uh, Jesse and Josh, really pushed the ball off of misses and makes effectively, making smart passes and really ripping apart Howard's below-average transition defense. (laughs) Below-average is being kind, man. That that shit's piss poor. (laughs) There were just so many open layups and threes. And I'm glad that you mentioned Greg, because when you're talking about smart plays, I think he defines that for us. There were so many amazing no-look passes and just um, 
knowledgeable off-ball movements that he had. Uh, and it was nice to see him start, too, and get, you know, play the second most minutes on the team. Yeah, it he was. He had that nasty putback. All over Caleb Johnson. Oh, like, yeah. That's, that's kind of the personification of Caleb's career. I hate to say it, but... <laughs> I feel so bad for him. Caleb actually had a great game uh, against Howard. He went 4-7 from the field, 11 points, 6 boards, 2 steals, 2 assists, played re- that, uh, easily his best game of the season. And he still gets dunked on by a white dude <laughs> who is on his team. Yeah, in the same jersey. <laughs> but even I saw that on ESPN, too. That was actually the only highlight they posted from our yep. team. Malinowski <laughs> dunked on one teammate. <laughs> They're so clickbaity. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I do want to circle back quickly. Oh, I, were you going to say something? Sorry. No, 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 it's always no. tough doing this over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I do want to circle back to Josh, and I definitely think this is his signature game, right? You have Massive. to think so. Yeah. So it's it's interesting now and very poetic, I think, that um, on the heels of non-conference play closing, all of our freshmen now, at least our main freshmen, sorry, Grayson Carter, um, have all had a signature game now. Hey, Grayson Carter got two rebounds and a steal. Yes. Oh, God. I don't know how you don't call that signature. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, I got to check his plus minus next time. If I'm being entirely honest, Carter, like the freshman played great. Josh looked great. Jamarco, really inefficient from the field, but he was aggressive. Went after rebounds, got three blocks and two steals. I think that's where he's improved most this year um, as a player. I don't know if he's regressed on offense as much as just found his role. I mean, he was like our third option last year, which I don't think he is on a good team. But uh, the way, you can tell the weight gain has helped him so much on defense too. He's, he's better able to stay with his man, especially down low, and is way better at using his length to disrupt shots. Um, mm-hmm. I think I was looking at his stats year over year, and his blocks are like tripled. His steals are um, – Doubled, you know, all in fewer minutes per game. Yeah. Rebounds are up too. And he played 35 minutes. You could tell that Coach Ewing was really hoping. Oh, yeah. A bit of an offensive awakening, but Pickett really just worked through his struggles on the offensive end and didn't let them get to him. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's big. a mature player. I have to agree, yeah. And I think especially uh, since Mac was out, there are a lot of shots on the table. And seeing Jamarco still be aggressive despite shots not falling was a welcome sight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even Malinowski. Yeah. Nine shots. That's eight threes, too. We shot a lot of threes. We shot awful from free. We did. That, that, that's the thing I wanted to bring up. Not a single player made more than two three-pointers. Both of them were Greg and Javon. Especially Greg. Greg was horrendous from the field. But was so effective everywhere else. Eight rebounds, two of them offensive, five assists, three steals. It just shows you how valuable of an all-around player this kid is. And the one player who I did want to mention before we get to Max injury was Javon Blair. Ewing was ecstatic with how he played in this game. It was four of eight from the field, had five assists. Five! Javon freaking Blair, five. <laughs> the guy, like we always make, we always poke fun at Javon because it's clear that he's not as good of a dribbler <laughs> as uh, some other players on the team. 
isn't as I am <laughs> or anybody. Yeah. He isn't a very comfortable guard with the ball in his hand, taking it to the rim, but creating opportunities for his teammates. But he really, really worked in that sense of his game yesterday. And that's going to be so crucial if Mac isn't ready to go by, I, I believe it's, I believe it's Wednesday. Wednesday is the second. Yeah, I think so. Man, we got two more days in 2018. It's crazy. Yeah, thank God. Good riddance. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, to your point, Javon, I think, looks even more comfortable uh, with the ball in his hands than he did last year. He hasn't had any of those uh, accidental travels when he tries to make a move off the dribble. Um, and he even had one of these really weird like cross-body right-handed floaters that he banked in. It was really ugly. But do, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. I, and I was like, wow, he, he just made a shot off the dribble. So I think it's slow progress with him. I, I'm honestly pretty optimistic about where he could be for us as a, you know, maybe even like a sixth man next year. Oh, I love Javon. I like Javon more than the average Georgetown player just because I like the way he stretches the floor. I like the way he gets engaged on defense, even though he may not be as good of a man-to-man defender as Jagan. But I do like his length. He's a little bit longer than James, slightly more than Mac, even though it's more of a more of a similar um, difference. But yeah. I'm a big fan of him, and I want to see him get played a little bit more than he has been in Big East play because against Little Rock, he only played three freaking minutes and he made one three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I got, I'm still confused by Ewing's rotations, but the Howard game, because it was a blowout, gave people, you know, a chance to get more time than they probably would have in a close game. So, you know, hopefully it gets everyone in a good rhythm too because most of our bench players played well. Even, you know, the GOAT, George Murison had a point. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> you know things are going well when you get a Mirasan sighting. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't even, dude, he didn't even look that bad. I mean, granted, it was against, <laughs> like, scrubs, but he was pretty engaged. He had, a, he had this open jumper on the baseline that I wanted him to pull so badly. <laughs> he airballed it. But <laughs> as, as, as Mirasan will do. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, you know. I don't know what you, you know, I don't expect anything less from our priority walk-on. You know, if you extend this out, he's averaging 18 points per 36 minutes. So, I don't know. Maybe he should uh, get some more time. (laughs) Now I I entirely understand your gripes with uh, Jung's rotation decisions. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, hello. (laughs) It's like, how do I see this and no one else? Yeah, it's ridiculous, but you want to dive into a little bit about Mac, his game against Little Rock, and... Well, well, before that, I mean, well, let's talk about his lack of game against Howard. I, I tried to look up some stuff about his uh, ankle, but I didn't really find anything. Oh, I, have no, I don't even know how he got the injury. Yeah, I mean, Ewing said it was in practice, but he wasn't even with the team. Uh, I saw a bunch of Twitter rumors, uh, or it was at least one guy on Twitter trying to start something saying that oh he you know his name is off the roster on ESPN so he's transferred and I'm like shut up dude like (laughs) but ESPN didn't have his name on the roster at the beginning of the year (laughs) yeah yeah well because I think it was weird they were having it as um Matthew instead of Mac yes I mean it's his real name little known fact but um 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, they were a little bit, you know, low-key about it, which was interesting. So hopefully it's all right. I don't think there's much for us to analyze as much as uh, what we know, but just, you know, for keeping everybody informed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, so that we don't know really how serious this is, how long he'll be out. I mean, Lord knows we're praying that he's okay for Butler on the second. But yeah, if he fingers crossed. Yeah, if he isn't, we got to have next man up mentality. We're going to roll out a longer lineup, which true. actually might help us a little bit against Butler, just like kind of like the way mm-hmm. they're built. Um, and we're going to need, we're going to be seeing a little bit more of Jagan and Javon that game then. And even yeah. with that, you know, I'll, we'll get into a little bit. Like, I'm pretty confident, but we'll talk about that after we get into a, after we finish up our uh, recency uh, discussion. Yeah, for sure. Let's, um, I think now, you know, it's kind of, it's really ironic, actually, that Matt gets hurt after he has the game of his life uh, against Little Rock. That was, abs- that was, like, so amazing to watch. And my God, dude, we fucking needed it. <laughs> like, Little Rock, they stink. They're awful. They only have they one win away, and they pushed us to the brink. Yeah. I don't know. Who was their big again? This guy. Uh, oh, Marich. Marich. Dude, he was looking like Jokic. Yeah. Yeah. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Man, and we, we, we scraped by him. I mean, say what you want about uh, how close the game was, but that was thrilling. That was nothing short of thrilling, honestly. Yeah, they – everything we did, even down the stretch – we pulled away towards the end, and we went up by eight, and yeah. we just couldn't put the game away. We missed so many free throws. We only shot 73% from the line. Really, we got 73% on 45 shots, so that's 12 missed free throws. Yeah. And, and it, there were so many flashbacks of the old Georgetown team when we, like, fouled three-point shooters, missed free throws, missed offensive – or missed – this defensive rebounds, like my my blood pressure was up to here, dude. Oh, I know it was it was something. But obviously, if we're gonna look at the positives first, Mac and James exploded. They combined for sixty three. Mac putting in thirty eight. James putting in twenty five. The things that I saw with Mac, which really excited me early on, he was really really selling the ball fake. And what I mean yeah. was he would get the ball on the wing, fake it to the corner usually where we'd have a man just getting there off like a off like an off ball screen, and that would he would use that to either free up the three ball or get the defender slightly shifted and take it the other way and finish it. He did a yeah, Mac nice job of that. Mac had he would either use that or a jab step. Um like a really quick little jab, usually right, and then go left. He likes to go left a lot. He um, does. But, yeah, I, I think because his three-point shot was so on, too, I think he made his first three or uh, something like that. Maybe his, his first two threes, but he hit his first, like, five shots or something. Um, and a lot of the the shots he had around the rim that weren't threes were off of, you know, like you said, pump faking or something. And I feel like that's going to be a whole different level to his game that gets unlocked when his shot becomes more consistent and people have to run out to guard him, he's just going to blow by him. Yeah. And um, you can just tell how much more comfortable he is in half court. 
Originally, he was trying to push everything. Use his athleticism, get to the rim, like a bullet going 150 miles per hour. And he's still a lot more effective finishing in transition. He's so good at using his athleticism, being creative in his finishing, taking it. He's, to he's, he's an elite finisher already. Like, I, I think we can say that. Yeah. And yeah, but that's also such a big thing. He's conversion rate at the rim has skyrocketed. He's so crafty at using his body to create leverage while getting a foul. Mm. Yeah, fouls. He, he wasn't shooting free throws earlier in the year. Um, I, part of it might have been he just wasn't getting calls, but he had 16 against Little Rock. <laughs> yeah. um, he made 14 of them, and you know, one of his two misses, he got the rebound to. It, like a Rudy-style moment. <laughs> yes! But the worst part about that one, he missed the next free throw. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, it's funny. It's just such a freshman thing. It um, is. He did manage to close it out, though, in what I think is our play of the year. Yeah. Four-point play. That was amazing. Um, it, it showed, too, that we have two players, two freshmen, two guards, two ball handlers that live for big moments, which I think we already knew, but Mac hadn't really proven that yet. James did, I think, against Illinois. That that's what I would think would be his signature game this far. But this was this was really nice to not only see Mac play well, but like Mac play well within the flow, I think, of the offense. It didn't really seem like he was forcing things that much, you know. James no, got a, and James still got a lot of shots. Jesse got a fair amount of shots. Yeah, and uh, if we're going to talk a little bit about James, one thing I noticed with him is his footwork is slowed down. He's not happy feet anymore. When he has the ball, <laughs> he gets... Dude, that's a good one. I had... <laughs> Dude, it's like he's tap dancing when he's yes. <laughs> yes, like he gets his feet get like... They get, like, uncomfortable. They get anxious. So they kind of just start, like, moving a little bit uncontrollably. Like, it, it's almost like Irish step dancing. <laughs> um, you know something about that, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I wish. Dude, like, their legs flap around like crazy. It's honestly kind of freaky how they do it. But his footwork was much improved. And that was crucial to helping him stay a little bit more under control than he usually does, especially when penetrating the defense. And that control helped him keep his head up, stay a little bit more relaxed, and create a little bit better for his teammates as well. Yeah, that's that's a really good observation. One thing, I, I managed to find some bootleg footage of their post-game press conferences. Oh, also, for the first time in, I think, ever, Georgetown let freshmen talk after the game alongside Ewing. Yep. That was, like, What? I mean, that just, it proves that these two are special. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they may not be special now, but they will be. And one of the things that they said, or I think it was James in the presser that I thought was really interesting was he was just talking about how fun it is and how happy he was for Mac to have such a good game. And that's like, kind of a great teammate. Yeah, honestly. Like, they both played really well on each other, but, you know, Mac definitely stole the spotlight here. Mm -hmm. And it was nice to see James be so supportive of him. Because I, one thing I had mentioned in one of our earlier episodes was, hey, these guys obviously push each other to be the best that they can because they want the team to be good. But, you know, because they're both so competitive, you wonder if it gets to their heads after a while where they're trying to 
outperform each other and stuff. And it really doesn't seem like that. No, it doesn't. And that's the sign of mature young guards mm-hmm. and the foundation of a budding relationship on the court and off the court. And it's going to be something special to watch, especially down the stretch this year when these two get a little bit more comfortable playing against top-notch teams. And hopefully they can translate that to the Big East tournament. Yeah, fingers crossed, man. I, I, I think hopes are still high, rightly so. But yeah. I think the Little Rock game, beyond all the positives for Mac and James, exposed a lot of what I think might be our downfall come Big East play, and it's our defense. Yeah. If there's one thing that I thought there's – when I went back and looked at the tape, I noticed three issues, in my opinion. All right, shoot. All right. The first is undisciplined perimeter defense, especially on shot fakes and hedge switches. The shot fake, there was one play where this Knowles kid, the little the little short point guard, point guard did a- went off again. Like, it's yeah, you know, the small guard that rips our defense apart, you know, typical. Uh-huh. He did a pump fake and – both Mac and Jagan went after him, left the shoot, <laughs> letting him just walk between the two of them, and that forced Jesse to step up. Little bounce pass to a cutting big man, easy dunk. They probably didn't even need to jump on that. No, he's like five yeah. nine, right? Yeah, he's five nine. Don't leave your fucking feet. Oh man, he needs okay. Post defense, Nicola yeah. Monch ate Jesse Govan's lunch. That game, yeah, he's six especially foot- in the post. Yes, yes, he's six foot ten, two forty five, and scored twenty seven points. Took twelve free throws. He really um, exposed Jesse's lack of quickness down low, mm-hmm. and you could tell that he was just a little bit like he, he, his defense wasn't strong. He was letting Mar get to his spot too easily, and when you let that happen, you're done. Yeah. Jesse, I mean, we know he's strong, and it seemed like Marich was trying to go around him rather than over him or through him, and that gave him so many problems. Yeah. And thirdly for me is just communication. The perimeter mm-hmm. defense, especially the help defense, is real sloppy, especially when uh, big men are hedging against high ball screens. The switching, the crispness, it, ju- it just isn't there. They look a little bit confused, and in that split second of confusion, a man's open from three. Mm. So teams such as Marquette, St. John's, Villanova, you can't have that perimeter defense confusion. They're going to rip you apart. Could you imagine giving Marcus Howard or Phil Booth or Mustafa Haran open looks from the perimeter about four to six times a game purely because of lack of communication? That's a lot of points. Yeah. And we don't even have a big that's quick enough to run out and contest those shots to make up for mistakes. No. I'm really grateful for Josh because against some of these uh, you know, lower-tier teams, he's been able to shore up a lot of the holes in our defense mm-hmm. through his like, emphatic hustle plays and blocks and uh, great rebounding. But like, I'm, I don't know how we're going to be able to improve it in such a short time. It might just be a like game by game process where like the only way we'll we'll be able to see that these things don't work is when they actually happen against a good team. 
and you realize in the moment that it needs to be adjusted and improved. Yeah, I would have to agree with that statement. And it's just, it's just frustrating. I, I find it ironic, to be honest with you. When Ewing was on Georgetown, the whole mantra was Hoya paranoia. Tough, yeah. intense, aggressive, intimidating. Like, God help you if you were to go into D.C. and play Ewing's Georgetown team because they were fast, they were strong, and they were mean. And they liked the defense. Yeah. This team, like, doesn't seem like – the defense is just horrendous at times. Yeah. I just find yeah. it comically ironic. Yeah, we. I mean, we got spunk too as a team. I don't think it's from a lack of intensity, but it's just not translating to that end, which makes sense. I mean, right? Like Josh, for all he is, he's six seven. Jesse, not known as a defender. Mac, not known <laughs> as a defender at all. And even James, I think we can both admit, has been a little underwhelming as far as his defense is concerned. We saw mm-hmm. a lot of his acclaim, you know, as being a pit bull and stuff, but. If you look at the advanced stats, like his defensive rating is one of the worst on the team. It is. His and Max, they're um they're second and third worst. Yeah, and that's that's kinda I think where Ewing is trying to balance his rotations and it's just not really clicking at times. Yeah. He's trying to almost go offense defense in a way that it just hasn't really seemed to mesh yet. Yeah. Well, what I had thought, an interesting observation I had made was that we don't have a good two-way player on the team. Maybe a great two-way player, if I'm being a little more generous. Our best best players are all heavily, um, their skills or whatever value they bring to the team is all rooted in their ability on offense to score, um, and distribute. Yeah. So, you know, and then our one great defender, I would say, who's Josh, like he, he doesn't have the touch to, he's not like our ball handler, you know, he's not someone who's scoring 20 a night consistently. So it's almost like our lineups will be lacking in either direction. Like there's, I don't think there's a way unless we somehow Ewing strikes the perfect balance between offense and defense. Um, it, it almost makes us too unbalanced because, you know, say you have a lineup, think of the lineup that we trotted out against Howard, right? That was Jesse, Josh, Jamarco, Greg, and James, right? That I feel like is almost the most balanced lineup we could have, but they're still, you know, in Jamarco, right? It's still someone you don't have to guard super tightly or uh, James, you just stick someone big on him and he can't do too much. Um, you know, whereas I think when you think of these, like, the best teams in the country or even in the Big East, they have multiple players that are, like, positives on each end. Yes. Like, even just think about Butler. Think about Kamar Baldwin. The dude is a stud, and he is a real solid defender, especially on ball. And he's someone who's a little bit bigger and can slice you up inside and out. Just right there, Butler's not the best team in the Big East this year, but they got one player right there that can do it on both sides. Yeah. You're not- I, I think, and I think that's just something we have to hope that the freshmen grow into. Another thing, like this has to be the youngest Georgetown team talent-wise that we've had in a long time. Yes. Like it's becoming clear now that our second, third, and fourth best players are freshmen. Yeah. I think that 
this has to be the youngest team since I would say 2015, 2016, when the freshman class of Marcus, Jesse, L, uh, no, LJ was a sophomore at that point, I believe. And um, Caleb came in because you could see that, you know, Marcus and Jesse were playing well. Or you could even make the argument that the year before that win, LJ and Isaac, they came in. Yeah, well, that was in that 2016 team. That was, uh, we still had DSJ, right? Yes. Okay, he was a DSR, Devonta Smith-Rivera. DSR, DSJ, damn, sorry. But yeah, yeah, we still had him and Isaac. But that was, you know, let me, let me let's do some digging. Yeah, yeah. LJ was third on shot. Marcus and Jesse didn't really have too big of a role. No, not really. Yeah, but you could you could clearly see that they were our future. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, those were really before our time. Uh huh. Yeah, and then even if you look back at 2015, I'm just trying to educate myself here. Yeah, it was really LJ and oh, Trowick was there. Yeah, Paul White. Wow, Mikhail Hopkins. Talk yeah. about a throwback. Yeah, seriously. I've always wondered. It would be really funny for Georgetown Day one year. Um, for those of you who don't know, know uh, that don't know, Georgetown Day is the last day of classes at Georgetown in the spring, where everybody just decides to say fuck school for a day and go ape shit. I've always wondered how cool it would be and like how much street cred I would garner if I found like just a crazy throwback jersey like out of nowhere, you know? Imagine like a Paul White Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Paul fucking White. You got thrown out of here. You got thrown out for I know. Uh, what what do you get kicked out for? I've heard smoking weed. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, he's at Oregon now. Yeah, um, but no, that that would, I'm just saying, like you know, two people would recognize the jersey, but they'd be like, "Dude, you you know what's up." I just I I can't you know they don't make them on AliExpress, you know what I mean? You got to yeah, be an A-lister. Yeah. I don't even think you can get a Mac McClung jersey right now. Yeah, no. Honestly, let me take a quick look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, trust me, I've looked. I've looked. <laughs> you have? Yeah, I've looked. That's he's not he's not up there. Yeah. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, I took like, Mac McClung and uh, 2018 Kylie Jenner uh, lipstick came up. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, uh, that Chinese SEO. Yeah, bro. Search <laughs> engine optimization. They know what you want, Dan. I'm, I'm not going to ask what's you know in your search history. but <laughs> Oh, man. But before getting into the Big East conference, <laughs> <laughs> you were just like, ah, oh, let's move on. Let's yeah, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> Before we get into Biggie's conference play, do you want to talk about Coach Ewing and what your thoughts of him are now, his rotations? I know you had a little bit of uh, some issues with what he's been yeah. doing. Yeah, well, this, this really came up in the SMU game uh, because that was, that was just so tough to watch. That, I think, exposed our three-point defense more than anything. Like you said before, on these miscommunications that end up in open shots. Um, and, and to me, it kind of, my thoughts, honestly, are a little bit removed from it now, but I think a couple things I'd had trouble with was, um, Ewing's ability to almost manage pace. And I know he's a big man coach, so the, it might not be as relevant to him as like someone, you know, who, who handled the ball a lot in college, but, and in the pros, 
But for me, it always seemed that whenever we found a lineup that worked, he would have too short of a leash with, um, you know, particular players in it that were helping us play well. You know what I mean? Like I thought of, I thought of Mac. I thought of James. I also, I thought of Greg. I thought Greg had been in kind of the doghouse for no reason. Um, and e- even players like, like Javon and uh, Jagan. I would say mostly in our backcourt because we have more depth there. But it would be things like Mac starts the game like three of five um, and then gets pulled for the rest of the first half. Yeah, I was about to add, like, when he gets pulled, it's not for, like, a minute, 90 seconds. It's for an elongated period of time. Yeah, like, because of one bad mistake that he has on defense. And I'm like, okay, fair, he's not a good defender. But, like, when he's hot like that, he's, you know, like we saw, he has the ability to go off and carry us. Like, I I don't know, Ewing's trying to teach lessons, which I appreciate, but I feel like you have to have your most talented players on the floor for as often as you can. And it had been a little bit of a budding concern of mine. Like, oh, what will he do when uh, someone, you know, like Mac starts the game really well and he leaves him in, like, you know, God forbid. And we saw that against Little Rock. So Ewing obviously thinks highly of him, but I I was just, you know, even like defense-wise, he'll just play like, Grayson Carter randomly for five minutes and we'll be like <laughs> 10 at the end of the half. Like I, you know, I get that he's trying to just test things and see what works, but you know, it's just frustrating to watch sometimes because you can almost feel too the energy of the game change when stuff like that happens. One thing I'm interested in seeing is the adjustment that he makes when Trey is available again. Hmm. Because I wonder if Josh will still start. He better. He goddamn better believe he better. I think Josh has shown everyone who understands basketball that he is one more athletic. Two has I think he's beginning to balance Jesse really well. Mm, Yeah, into the court much better than Trey ever has. Trey and Jesse had a nice little uh, offensive back and forth, but defensively. They're just like two big twin towers Traffic that really couldn't extend the perimeter. Josh is infinitely more versatile than Trey. And even on offense, like his game complements Jesse's really well because he bangs down low, he gets offensive rebounds, which allows Jesse to hang out on the perimeter a little more, which I think tires him out less. Yeah, and Jesse's conditioning, as you really smartly pointed out earlier, is just crucial. It's just harder for big men to have as good of conditioning as the guards do. It's just the way they're yeah. built. Um, so it, I'm impressed with Jesse, though. There have been a bunch of games this year where he's played like 35, 38 minutes. You can and have you know, like with Jesse, but one thing no one can really say about him is that he's not giving it all. Because you tell me yeah. the guy is always supporting his teammates. You can tell he gets frustrated and can kind of get in his head a little bit sometimes especially that um, Appalachian State game and the Rock yeah. games were tough to watch. But the guys out there hustling 24-7. Yeah, and he's only played 24, 23, and 26 minutes since SMU in the last three games. So hopefully he's fresh. I think he'll, he, will, he will be fresh for Butler. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think Ewing, he, the way he's talked about the team, too, he's so clearly defined – 
I think his expectations for non-conference play and he knows Biggie's play is like the real deal. So I think he'll stop with some of these games that he's doing with our rotations. Like I would, I would expect Mac and James to be on the floor, like almost all the time, unless they're in foul trouble or just getting eviscerated on defense. Um, same with Jesse, same with Josh. Like I, I trust that he'll be able to buckle down on stuff. Now that we're playing, you know, now that our season starts, you could say. I would agree with that. Um, with that being said, do you want to kind of get into a little bit of a Big East uh, conference schedule preview? Oh, yeah, man. I, I got some flaming takes ready. You ready? So let's merge this with the hot take segment. Sound good? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Play that music. That song's also growing on me. Oh, dude, I like that one infinitely more than the other one. <laughs> yeah. You get a little disco okay. in your life, man. It just makes you want to dance. That's true. That's true. You can never dance too much. Uh, all right. You ready for this? It's my first hot take, Big East related. Okay. We Let's will go. play 18 Big East games this season. Huh. Yeah. It's pretty hot. It's pretty hot, right? At least 18. That's like if you add on all three uh, sauces at Chipotle. You're like, dump it all on there. Yeah. <laughs> what are we burning tonight? <laughs> yeah. Well, just we also do, we're the only people who think Chipotle is spicy. But yeah, yeah for the record, we, we play 18 scheduled Big East games. So there's no, there's no hotness there. That's like as hot as ketchup. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Ketchup has a little bit of a zing to it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. On a more serious note, though, when you're when you're looking down our schedule, we have our first game against Butler on the second. Um, that's away. First home game of the Big East is uh, against the Johnnies on uh, January fifth. Unfortunately, before we get back, which kind of sucks. Oh yeah, I know that's um, the worst. I'm so upset. We're not going to be there for that. Yeah. Well, you guys. I mean, you have the key to your place. I'm. I'm thinking about going back early, uh, just as it is, because I only need like my key to get into my place. I don't know how strict they are about the, you know, you can't come back before what is it, the eighth? Yeah. No, we can. You can go back early, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, who knows? It might be. It'll be fun. But uh, yeah. So we play the Johnnies at home on the fifth, and our games go all the way up until March 9th against Marquette. So we got about two months of very competitive energetic, adrenaline-filled basketball. What, uh, Dan, what, what stands out to you looking at our schedule? I think parity is a good word to use to describe the conference this year. Mm-hmm. I just think from top to bottom, there's not a lot that separates most of these teams. And I think we saw that in both of the games, especially the St. John-Seton Hall game last night. St. John's went into that game 12-0. and Seton Hall, only 9-3, and three, looked a little bit. They had some good wins. They beat Kentucky. But, you know, they had a couple of bad losses. And it, that game went right down to the wire, and it had a former walk-on hit a ridiculous buzzer-beating shot, which I even thought he was fouled on. 
I thought he was. He got the free throw at the end. Oh, he uh, did. But he missed it. He missed it. Yeah, on okay. purpose. Yeah, that was oh, that was an insane shot. I was like, I don't even know. That doesn't even really remind me of anything. You said it reminded you of the uh, our game against Q's a little bit, right? Yeah, mostly just because of like the flow of the game. And just because I think there's a lot of similarities between Mullen and Ewing as head coaches. We were talking about yeah. the other day. Mostly just because, you know, St. John's visiting team, technically the underdog, although they were high expectations for them. They came in, they took a big lead, they maintained that. And even though their collapse kind of was a little bit later, they eventually did, and they lost on a ridiculous buzzer beater in a classic fashion. <laughs> yeah, it felt good to see someone else be on the other end of it for once besides us. Yeah, but if I had to pick one team that I look at and I think, all right, I think we can get these guys maybe even twice. Mm-hmm. I think DePaul's a good candidate, but even then, I'm not going to cop out and say them. Yeah, because DePaul's no joke this year. Yeah, not really. They they played Xavier tough-ish. They were actually favored in that game. They were a minus two favorite. Um, wow. In DePaul, I mean, Xavier obviously came in and uh, showed why they're such a dangerous defensive team. I'm going to go with Butler. Okay. I think we beat Butler twice this year. And why I say that is mostly because I think we're going to make a statement and win on January 2nd. All right, all right. I mean, Butler more. doesn't have a lot of momentum coming into this game. I think a oh, lot. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah. They got waxed by Florida. I mean, that's putting it kindly, too, and waxed is a brutal word. I mean, they got shit-pumped. Carter. <laughs> They lost wow. 7-43. Not a single player for Butler scored more than nine points. What I think Florida started that game on a 16-0 run. I mean, are you that kidding me? That's embarrassing. And I don't I, even know how good you know, Florida is this year. Yeah, just in general, like, who on Butler team, who's on Butler team, like, really scares you? So, you have three main players in Kamar Baldwin, who... Will give us problems. I admit that. Sean yeah, oh, especially yeah. decent shooter and Paulie Jorgensen, aka White Jesus, as they call him on the streets. Isn't he? He went to Don Bosco, right? That's the he year. went to Bosco, and then he went to George Washington. Oh, when he transferred, yeah. Huh. His nickname at Don Bosco was White Jesus. Was he? He must have been really good in high school. Oh, he was filthy. I think he broke a couple records there. Man, I, I think, now that you remind me, I, I remember there was this YouTube video of him playing in Rucker Park against the street baller. Have you ever seen it? I've heard of it, have never seen it. He gives the dude buckets. I think he's still a, a high schooler at this point. Wow. Yeah. He's I mean, nasty, but I just don't see how, I, I, I don't think that. Um, yeah, yeah, he's not. He's not someone who's going to single-handedly beat us. No, I think that. You know, we match up well against them. I don't think they have anyone that can really stop Jesse down low. And I think Josh is close for a big game, too. uh, What was that? Sorry, I didn't hear you. 
I think Josh is going to be poised for a big oh. I just think that's a team yeah. that really match up well against this year. Well, just, yeah. I mean, look at the size. They got a 6'10 and 6'11 guy, but I, I don't think they get any minutes. <laughs> no. I, we have Nate Fowler as a senior. He does nothing. And then, you know, Joey Brunk, who's a sophomore, does a little bit. I mean, not, they each play under 20 minutes a game. I feel like they'll just get in so much foul trouble. That's good. I mean, I, I definitely – I, I don't the, – the thing that annoys me about our schedule is I don't see how teams beat us. Like, I know it will happen some way. Um, and there is a talent gap between us and, like, the upper-tier teams of the Big East. But with teams like Butler, it's like, man, like, especially – remember the game last year? Yeah. The one that we choked. Speaking of, Sean McDermott, that freaking tip-in he had. Yep. To send the game to overtime. Like, it's stuff like that. You know, there's kind of like the Georgetown it factor. Yeah, there really is. It's the it factor. It's the uh, the way that you choke games away that you have no business losing. I mean, yeah. nobody does it better than we do. That's true. And I think one thing to maybe keep in mind is that um, for the same reason you think we'll beat Butler twice is why I don't think we'll beat them twice. Because I, I would love to say that we go out against them in this first game on the road and beat them. But I think because it's on the road, we don't. Um, Butler, I don't think, is a scary team or a good team. I definitely think we end the year better than them, uh, record-wise. But I just don't think that um, our defense is enough to really give us separation. You know, because it almost necessitates that someone besides Jesse has a really good game on offense for us to not only compete, but, like, maybe comfortably win a couple of these Big East games. And... I just I don't trust Mac, James, or even Josh to like be a consistent second option yet. It's almost like the three of them have taken turns. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I feel like it'll take a little time. I think stuff is slowly starting to round in the form with that, but I think it'll take a little time. So we'll see. All right. What's your team? What team do you think we um, go against? I think we get Providence twice. Okay. Um, just because I, it was kind of like you were saying before, I, I think that, um, what I do with a lot of these teams, I had mentioned this when we were doing our biggies preview, but with these teams, I look at their best players and, you know, how they play is obviously based off of that. And with Providence, their, their two best players are Alpha Diallo, right? Who's, who plays 35 minutes a game. That's crazy. He's kind of this, this hybrid forward, um, who figured out how to shoot threes. <laughs> he was always really athletic. And then AJ Reeves, who is a freshman who I admittedly don't know much about. Um, but like you had almost said with Butler, they don't have a, you know, Providence doesn't really have a lot of size. And what I've seen from them on tape isn't that impressive either. Um, you know, I, I watched a little bit of uh, Diallo and he's good, but I think a lot of it is just him getting the most amount of shots on the team. Like the way he plays doesn't impress me that much. Um, and I think that by the time we play them, it'll be our fourth game. And then we play them about in the middle of our, uh, overall schedule. I think we'll just be way more comfortable with not only the pace, but the physicality of Big East basketball, especially Mac and James, and we'll be far more equipped to, uh, to beat them, especially because we play them at home first. And a big thing when we play them at home, odds are Reeves will be out. He's always oh, he dealing is. with a foot injury. He's going to be out for um four to six weeks. He got hurt December. Oh, wow. 
So oh, I'm seeing that now. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Providence in general, like nothing, they don't seem to have much talent. They're all, I think they're a little similar to Butler, honestly. They do have, uh, they do have four 10 point scores. Um, you know, three, if you take out Reeves, but it's just nothing I can see giving us problems. Yeah. They do have one big guy named Nate Watson. Who's solid. He's not like Jesse or anything. He's big. He's solid. He's slow. He's a rebounder. The thing about Providence is that they're known for their defense. They play good defense, but they lost a lot of players last year. A lot of players that were key to getting them into the tournament and into the Big East title game. Because yeah. quite frankly, they were the last team last year to give Villanova a hard time. Mm. They had them down the stretch and they blew it in the garden. They were the last team that really gave them problems because no one else in the state, no one else in the tournament really scared them other than Texas Tech, I guess. But even then, the closest Tech got was five. And that was with like five minutes left and they pulled immediately back to eight. So, I mean, yeah. Providence, I think is a solid choice as well. With that being said, just, Oh, also just mm-hmm. so you know, in each of our games last year against Providence, Jesse had 20 and 10. <sighs> yeah. So, you know, and this was with actually Marcus playing pretty poorly in each game. He only mm-hmm. had, a, he shot five for 16 and three for 10. So, Jesse played very well as the center of attention each time. So I expect that to continue. But That's big then. All right. With that being said, let's, let's flip it and go, what's our matchup nightmare? Who do you look at and you're like, well, you know, that, that toss away too right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the tough thing about this is, like you said, there's so much parody in the Big East. Like the optimist in me is like, there is, there's no way that we, uh, you know, can't hang with any of these teams, but I think it's St. John's. Oh, okay. Okay. I like it. I, I yeah, I might be double dipping because I, I think that these will be the closest and best games of Biggie's play. Um, just cause there's so much history there, which I'll, I mean, unpack more eventually, but, um, especially watching them play yesterday for the first time. One thing I noticed is that they have so many players who can go get a bucket, like, which I wasn't, I didn't really realize, but, uh, you know, they were beating uh, Seton Hall, who's by no means like a trash team. You know, they're not great, but they were beating them very handily without Shimori Pons, you know, their all-American level point guard, having score. And I was like, wow, there must be something, like there has to be something there, right? So I ended up watching the team a lot, and I, I was very impressed by Haran, obviously, who you're making me more aware of now. He could play. Um, shooting almost 50% from three, which I think is maybe a little unsustainable. But um, LJ Figueroa is also such a solid big. Marvin Clark, the second sniper from downtown. He's gotten a lot better off the dribble from last year, I remember. Um, and even Justin Simon is a very good rebounder and uh, shot blocker, uh, like around the rim. He's just very good at controlling things. And this is without even talking about Shimori having, you know, the best season of his career, averaging like a very efficient 20 points, six rebounds, three steals. It, I, you know, I, I think also on defense, they're leading uh, the Big East, and I think they're maybe top 10 in the nation in steals. They have about 10 steals a game. And given that we play them second uh, out of all the teams in the Big East, I could just see our turnovers being such a nightmare against them. 
you know, where they press almost the whole game and we just we can't break it. It's interesting because you think of St. John's and technically back-to-back years we've beaten them two out of three times. But we've lost the most important game both seasons. We've lost in the biggest tournament to them. And yeah. we've always played them very, very hard. They've played us very hard. But I think you're right in the sense that I think they're a class above us this year. I think that they are unequivocally our biggest rival in the Big East due to, you know, Mewing and Mullen and just the history between the schools. But I do think top to bottom, they are a better team than we are this year. Yeah, It'll show at least once in one of those games. I'm expecting a tight game once, but I also could see us just getting absolutely walloped by them. Maybe at Harden. Who knows? Maybe even Saturday the 5th. I mean, granted, I hope we beat them. Oh, God. That would be, yeah. That would be... That would be just so depressing. But, you know, <laughs> the, uh, Big East. but the team that I yeah. think is just going to get us twice, listen, it may be an unspectacular answer, but I I think Nova gets us twice. I do. Really? I thought you were going to say Marquette. Yes. I, 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 listen, do I think Marquette gets us twice? Maybe. They definitely get us once. You know there's going to be a game where Marcus Howard drops Friggin' fifty on us in a half. <laughs> yeah, is gonna guard him. On I can see it being like the Nova game last year, where it's just not—it's just not even close the entire time. Oh, I remember that game. That was horrendous. That was so. Bad. I lost my forty. I was broadcasting that. Me and uh, I think it was Duran who was broadcasting it with me. I just <laughs> it was his first game broadcasting. I felt so bad. He and I just started talking, talking about basketball. We were just like, "All right, this is awful." What do you think about Trey Young this year? <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's fun, though, but um, I do think, do think Nova gets on, though. Like, so we saw Syracuse lose to Luke UConn earlier. Nova, even though they lost two games previously, they played UConn. They were only favored by, like, five points going into that game. Beat them by, like, 25 points. And you that really was saw a big win that. for them. Yeah, huge. That was the game where you really saw not only Eric Paschal and uh, Bill Booth each play well. Like obviously, Booth shot incredibly efficiently. We, uh, when I say that, he didn't miss from the field. Paschal really showed off his versatility as an inside-out player. But mm-hmm. we saw their role players step up and do what yep. everyone thought they were going to be doing the entire year. Dimitri Cosby Roundtree. Only scored five points, but, you know, six boards, three of them offensive, two, two assists, three steals. Cremo, incredibly efficient, four for five. Quinterly got more minutes than... Yes, that is, he finally he played. Well. Yeah, what do you have, 10 points, four assists, if I remember correctly? Yep, and he didn't even shoot well. He shot two of eight and was still effective in that game. Yeah, he drew a lot of fouls. He was just beating this guy off the dribble the whole time. We had talked about this earlier. He had been getting, like, no minutes, and we couldn't really understand it. Um, yeah, you know, and he still, didn't, he still didn't start, which I, I didn't see why. But um, I think if he begins to round in the form, they'll be a completely different team. Um, because Pascal and Booth are their best players, but they're not very ball dominant. Like they're not great at getting themselves to their spots. They need to be set up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it was a big statement win for them. I, I think they're rounding in the form slowly but surely. 
but mm-hmm. I still, I still, they're still not that impressive. I mean, they did hang with Kansas too, which is no uh, nothing to laugh at, especially but. at Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, that's true. That was away. Yeah, they were in Kansas. Kinda, oh wow! Yeah. Listen, I think Kansas is still a level above Nova, even if Quinterly begins to make a consistent impact. I just think Kansas is qualitatively better than Nova is this year. I still don't. I still think Nova is good enough to one beat us by about twelve at the Pavilion and beat us by about six at home. Okay, so so is that six a close six, and is that twelve a close twelve? Uh, I'm going to say close 12, not close six. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. But you, you still, yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to say, you still don't see us beating him. Yeah, no, I think that the way this Georgetown team is built, and I, I think we're going to be competitive a lot, especially on the road. Just because of the way they're yeah. built. Like, they well, bait. we show up on the road. We've already yeah. seen that. Yeah, it, as long as you exclude Jamaica. Um, <laughs> that was, that's that's a different, road. yeah, different road. That's like the boat, yeah. <laughs> the sea. <laughs> I mean, just like the way this team the is weird. They, they rise to the occasion. And mm. I just, I think that at times they get complacent at home a little bit. Um, yeah. We'll see. That's going to be my pick. Okay. I still think we beat Nova once, but. I remember um, you said your hot take earlier in the year is we beat him twice. Yeah. Oh, <sighs> The hot take was Syracuse is better than every team in the Big East, and then they lose to Old Dominion. <laughs> hey, hey, we're we're not always right. All right, we're only entitled to gloat about what we get right, not talk about what we get wrong. Facts. Journalism one hundred and one. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, briefly, we can touch on Marquette too. They're just they're looking really good. Really good is an understatement. I mean, this team. When you look at just how unbelievably fantastic they are at scoring the ball. I mean, it's crazy. You look at, they don't have a ton of guys who really can consistently put it in double digits, but they got, I believe it is six players averaging six or more points per game with Marcus Howard and Sam Hauser averaging over 14 and a half per game. I mean, Marcus Howard's ridiculous. He's averaging 25. And he's, you know, there's going to be one game where he drops 40 on us. Yeah, he's already done that a couple times, I think. Yeah, I mean, he dropped 40 and a half. Yeah. As Buffalo, he put 40 up them. He gave Buffalo their first loss and he just ripped them in the second half. Buffalo is damn good, too. They're too. They, they, they slaughtered Syracuse at the dome, too. Beat them by 12. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, I think yeah, they're they kind of play like an NBA team, if you think about it. Just a lot of threes, ball movement, high-quality shots. Yeah, they shoot about 40% from three as a team. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that plays directly to you know one of our strengths, a three-point defense. <laughs> yeah, real, real perfect coincidence. Um, what do you think then – you know, if you don't think Nova works out well for us, what do you think our biggest win of the season is then? Like, like what's a team that, you know, is probably out of our league, but if Mac, James, and Josh, and Jesse all play well in a game, like, where do you see that happening? It's interesting because I think, I, I just think, I don't know if there's going to be like one team 
that we beat. And we're going to be like, wow, I can't believe we beat that team. I genuinely believe that we are capable of beating every single team. That includes Marquette and Villanova. I think, I think a big win is going to be beating St. John's once. Okay. And I think we give Marquette a hell of a run at home. All right. All I think right. those are just two games that I think we're going to play well. Um, and especially the St. John's. And here's why I say that. St. John's is the type of team whose talent, top to bottom, we just spoke about it, is undeniable. But they are as inconsistent of a team as – let me think of a good analogy because I can't really get one. Occasionally, they'll just get shown up by a team in a half, but they really rely on their natural talent just to drag them back. That's how they came into conference play undefeated. They're like the Warriors this year. Yeah, in a weird way. Yeah, like they just play undisciplined at times, sloppy, tunnel vision. Like even though there's a lot of individual talent on that team, they rely a little bit too much on it at times. And I think it's frustrating for Mullen to consistently get these guys all on the same page on both sides of the court. And I think we're going to get them on one of those games where that happens. You think, yeah, I mean, definitely – Easier for that to happen at home, I think. Yeah, we. Yeah, I think so too. Um, although I don't, I think them losing to Seton Hall is bad news for us on January fifth. <laughs> if I'm being entirely honest, <laughs> um, I'm yeah. looking at their schedule right now. See, yeah, they might actually go up against us zero and two. So they play Marquette New Year's Day at seven p.m. Best believe I'll be watching that. Then they oh, go yeah. to us, and then they go to Villanova. So it, they gotta beat Marquette on Tuesday. They gotta beat us because they don't want to start zero and four. Yeah, I mean, granted, they're very capable of beating Marquette, especially at home. Just like I think, top to bottom, they're a better team than Marquette. Like more talent, um, but if they're not all on the same page, they could be going against us zero and two, and that's not something they want. And believe it, that's something that, that we don't want that either, because that just means yeah. that they're going to be more likely to be dialed in. Yeah. So that that that's my two cents on that. Hmm. Yeah, I. It's tough. I'm looking through the schedule again, and I wonder what... It's weird, because it's hard to like look at one particular team and be like, oh, yeah, I'm very confident we can beat them. Mostly due to the fact that there's... We don't really know how we are going to be uh, playing consistently within the Big East. Yeah, because... We really don't know how we're going to react all the time. Like, a big win is, you know, to break a losing streak, or against a team that's clearly out of our league. But, like, uh, you can't predict a losing streak. I think a big win for us will be – I'll maybe just pick a couple. I'll cherry pick. We'll be against Xavier on the ninth on the road because I think that we lose our first two games to Butler and St. John's. And then the Xavier win is almost like the Illinois win where we go and we play a team really well on the road. And it's almost a little bit – a brief reminder of optimism, you know, 
mm-hmm. feel like that's kind of what our team is. It's like optimism and then, you know, it's like two steps forward, one step back kind of thing. Yeah. So we obviously are riding a nice little wave right now. <laughs> so I feel like if that kind of cycle continues throughout the year, um, road wins will be very big. I think especially just for building the team's confidence and like chemistry too. Um, so I think the road game against Xavier on the ninth will be really big. Um, I think our, you know, maybe our biggest home win, I could see us beating Marquette at home on the 15th. Um, Cause you said they're shooting 40% from three. Yeah. Around. So a little bit underneath. I, that's like, that's bonkers. <laughs> I don't even know if Nova shot that well from three. Like, I don't know if that continues. I think it's a little closer to 39%, but it's right there. That's wild. And that's on a lot of attempts, too. It is, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say the Xavier game, I would say our biggest win is against Marquette on the 15th. Okay. Because I do think Mar- Marquette's a really good team, but, like, Marcus, ha- I don't know. I, I feel like uh, maybe I should watch him more, too, but... I feel like even though he'll probably blow by Mac and James every time, I feel like I'm just kind of visualizing it now. Josh just meeting him at the rim and swatting the shit out of him. I would love that so much. <laughs> so, so much. Yeah. Why? Well, I, I think that's, that's definitely um, something that I will say now, try to speak into existence. Uh, the sad thing is, though, we know that for all of these big wins, there's going to be a classic heartbreaking loss. Yeah, heartbreak Hoyas. Yeah, heartbreak Hoyas, baby. Um, where where do you think that happens? I'll give you two at Seton Hall and at. <laughs> oh, at Creighton is a good one. Um, where where which one? The thirteenth against Seton Hall, right? Uh, yes, and then the twenty third at. I think that right there could be a solid three game losing streak going into, uh, home versus DePaul at Seton Hall versus Nova, at Creighton. I say at Seton uh, Hall because just seen, I don't think Seton Hall is as good as they were last year when they made it to the round of 32. But yeah, they, they, lost, they lost a lot of things. Yeah. They lost Angel Delgado, Desi Rodriguez, a ton of talent. Kadeen Carrington. Yes, Kadeen. You're a great player. But Miles Powell, his progression, he's got a little bit of Kemba in him, I'd say, just the way he hmm. plays. So ball dominant, so I can take over a game at any point in time. You saw that. I don't know if you watched Kentucky uh, Seton Hall. It was going on at the same time as Georgetown Syracuse, so you probably didn't, but I went back and looked at the highlights. He just took over that game. He took over that and basically willed Seton Hall to a win. And I just got a feeling with the way we've been playing perimeter defense in New Jersey, I think that it's likely. Powell gets the best of us there, but at Marquette, I mean, not my, at not my, not Marquette, uh, Creighton, they have such an undeniable home court advantage out in Nebraska. It's really a hostile, toxic environment when you go out there and play a game. I, I don't think Creighton's a very good team. I actually think they're a bottom three team in the Big East this year, especially when you look at teams that they've lost to. They lost to Ohio State, Gonzaga, Nebraska, Oklahoma. I mean, all not like awful losses, but still, 
They lost Marcus Foster. But at home, they really – they gave Gonzaga a little bit of problems at home. They lost to them wow. a, a closer than it looks 11 points. So mm-hmm. I, I can't see us going into Creighton beating them. And it's going to be – Clemson too at home. Yeah, it's going to be frustrating for us because, you know, we're going to be like, well, we are better than Creighton. We should be able to beat them consistently, and it just is not going to happen. Yeah, I think consistency is the one thing we'll both end up wishing we had more of, but like by the end of the season. But that you have to expect that with a young team. It's not going to be something that just happens, you know? Yes. Okay, for me, I think that a really – see, heartbreaking is like I don't want to think of it as a close loss because I think we'll have some of those. I would say it's the game against – right after Creighton, actually. It's the – Gave it home against DePaul. Like I had said, said, uh, we had said before, I guess, DePaul is not nearly as bad as they were before. Um, You know, they don't really have any. (laughs) Oh, God, I got to take myself seriously. They don't really have any uh, marquee wins, and they have a bad loss to Boston uh, College where they kind of choke things away. But I could just see it something where like the team almost runs out of gas and coasts a little bit towards the end of our schedule. Cause um, again, with a young team, it's just hard to keep your foot on the gas pedal so often. Um, and I, this guy, Max Struess, like he could play. Um, I didn't, I mean, he, he had a good year last year, but I wasn't really paying attention to him much, but now as a senior, like he's, he's averaging almost 20 a game. Um, and I could just see him being someone who takes it to us. Yeah. Struis is a good player. Really inside-out um, center, who I think could give Govan some issues, especially on the defensive mm. side of things. Yeah. And that's I feel like that could be that'd be the way that we lose a heartbreaking game. Like, the guards, you know, they could be a little rattled. But, like, if Jesse gets into early foul trouble, man, like – that's we're going to ask them to do so much. Oh, yeah. And DePaul has some okay guards. Eli Kane's a good player. So it, it, that's a trap game. Again, there are no games this year in the Big East that I look at and say that's a guaranteed win. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's making it tough to predict, you know, where we think things end up. Um, one thing I think we both agree on, though, is that our most intense rivalry is going to be with St. John's. I think that's undeniably so, mostly just due to the history, the passionate, um, the passion that's happened the past two years, especially with late games. Last season, we hit two really huge shots: Govan at St. John's, Derek yeah. at home, Jacob Mosley uh, slammed the door on St. John's with a four-point play. And then they came into MSG and they gave it to us in the second half of uh, the Big East tournament game. I believe yeah. we were winning at halftime. I was yeah. good. And we just stalled. Yeah, she was playing really well. Yeah. yeah. So that was hard. That, uh, and then the year before, uh, Mullen and JT3 almost got in a fight. Yep. And then we lost uh, right at the end off of like three missed layups. Yep. Thank you very much, Marcus. Very happy you're on the Warriors, <laughs> but that's not fun. Hey, well, did you did you see he um, 
the Warriors, I think their G League team just won the uh, championship, or whatever, and he put up twenty five. That's awesome. Yeah, he's he's doing well. I think he's averaging like sixteen a game. I even watched his highlights. Um, yeah, 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 and then he had twenty seven. Yeah, so he's been he's been putting in work. That's so good for him. He is such a good yeah. dude. I'm happy that he's really playing well and coming into his own. And it seems yeah. him leaving was the best decision. Yeah, I really, I'm, I'm eating my words on that. I didn't think it was a smart move, but I didn't think so either. Good for him, man. If we had him, oh. I would have no problem putting us top three in the biggies. Oh, same, hundred percent. We'd have a real strong dual threat front court. Then we could run out James and Matt. Josh off the bench. Josh would come off the bench. It would be so perfect. Man. Yeah. Well, hey, hey, grass is always greener. Yeah, you know. Over spoiled milk, one of those two. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I I think that uh, two – one thing that you mentioned before that I want to circle back to is the similarities between Mullen and Ewing as coaches. This was something I had told you yesterday, I think, watching St. John's. I was like, you know, both of them were hired. I think Mullen was hired a year before Ewing, right? I am not certain. Maybe maybe two years? Because, I I mean, I know obviously he was against the JT3 um, when they played each other in the Big East tournament. So that was a year before Ewing. But – I'm going to try to find it out now. But anyway, I think they were hired for similar reasons. Yeah, 2015. Um, 2015, yeah, so two years before. Um, but anyway, I, I think they were hired for similar reasons, right? Both ex, both the greatest players in the school's histories, um, and but they were both hired when the schools badly needed a culture reset. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who St. John's coach was before, but you, obviously at Georgetown with JT3, things were beginning to get a little toxic. Um, and I think both of them have done a really good job of changing the cultures at their respective programs. And um, you see that it's slowly starting to pay dividends, right? With St. John's, was it a four-year process? And Ewing's in the second year now. Um, and I think we view things at a similar timeline. By like two years from now, we think uh, the program will be back to a good standing. But they're kind of, they're hired less, you know, for their basketball acumen, which they obviously have a lot of, but just on the recruiting end and also on the ability to uh, galvanize players and like restore uh, the program's honor, you know, by becoming the face of it. I think that was, uh, you know, it's an interesting parallel between them besides, you know, all the basketball stuff. I would agree with that. And I think their coaching styles are somewhat mirrored given that, you know, obviously there are great players under both uh, programs, but, people really questioned whether or not they had it mentally with the X's and O's and the demands mm-hmm. and especially recruiting as well. But I think with the way that Mullen has built St. John's to be in a position where they can win now recruiting wise and especially bringing in Mustafa Haram and Marvin Clark, brilliant, brilliant transfer additions and his development of Justin Simon is really showing now it's just a question as to whether he can bring it all together. And I think your comparison to him and Ewing is just spot on. And I think the fourth year is the year where we're going to be looking and be like, this is it. This yeah. is Mac and James will be juniors. And as with Josh, hopefully, 
hopefully we'll bring in a little bit, a couple of more recruits, maybe a couple of transfers, and that'll yeah. be, it. We'll be like, we got to win it this year. And I say, win it, yeah. just compete at a high level. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing, too, because that's like everything you need in a rivalry. You play the teams tight. There's just so many intertwined parallels between the coaches. Um, you know, there's history between the teams. Um, and, and we'll see, obviously, how Mac and James and Josh respond to uh, the pressure that comes with playing a good, a good team, like a really good team. Um, but you know they'll eat it up, the chance to, to go at someone's throat and psych themselves up for uh, a big, intense game. I agree with that 100%. I'm going to have my eyes peeled. So I think looking at all this, like, is your prediction before uh, of expecting a top five finish still, still holding true to that? I'm going to be optimistic and say yes. I'm saying we're going to finish fifth. Uh, is that likely? Listen, if I'm Georgetown, I think a good goal – is to avoid the first night of the tournament. And that means getting out of the bottom seven. I mean, excuse me, the bottom four. So they need to finish above seventh. Anything sixth or a sixth, one. Now, obviously, one is acceptable, um, but I would be okay <laughs> finish sixth. I would have no complaints. Seed. I would be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely, I think I'm with you on that. I think... We end up better than DePaul, Seton Hall, um, Creighton, and then I think it's us, Providence, and Butler as like the and Xavier as maybe the the I think the top three of St. John's, Marquette, and Nova is pretty like we're not going to get up there. No. So in the four, five, six, seven of Providence, Butler, Xavier, and us, I could see us being anywhere in that range. Um, if I'm hedging my bets, I put us at fifth, like you said, too. Um, and that's kind of, I guess, like, you know, with our inconsistency, it makes sense. You know, with all the highs and lows that I think Biggie's play will bring, putting us somewhere in the middle is about right. It sounds about right. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with that, too. I don't think that's enough to make the tournament, though. No, I don't think it will be either. I think we'll make the NIT, though. Yeah. I, do you think Ewing would have us play in that? I think, I think it would be a mistake to decline. Hmm. It's op- an opportunity to continue to let the young kids, and even Jesse, just play in the postseason. That's true. That's it, true. Be, it would be it would be the biggest games of everyone on the roster's careers. And I think, even though it's not the tournament, yeah. And I think it would be good experience to have in general. So I wouldn't think yeah. it would be a bad thing, and it would be a good experience for Ewing to be playing in those one-done scenarios. Yeah, I think so too, from a coaching perspective. Yeah, and I think from a fan yeah. perspective, I'd like to see them continue playing. I think oh, 100%. Because it'd be some, it'd yeah. be a tournament where we would honestly have a better chance of being competitive in. Like, you know, we'd yeah. have no chance of really making any noise, I'd say, in the big dance. But if we made the NIT, I mean, God knows. You know, maybe we can go on a little bit of a run. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. I did that, And that would just leave so much promise. You know what I mean? Like, I think Ewing is someone who is very – I think in general, every fan is aware of the promise of this team um, and that the growing happens in baby steps. 
So I think the NIT would be like a very fitting step up from where we were last year. And seeing us play well in that would provide even, I think, more optimism for the year after. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's now kind of clear to us that we're not a tournament team. I think because my expectations are a little lower, so I'm not going to be as anal about the mistakes we make. But I, I, I'm still going to be intrigued to see what happens because I'm not, not holding out you know, on that just yet. Oh, same here. I am, you know, the goal is the tournament. The goal, you know, my goal is to win the Big East tournament, quite frankly. Is that being unrealistic? Maybe, but, you know, I'm excited. What did high expectations uh, ever do to anyone? Exactly, exactly. We know the talk in the locker room, too, is similar. Ewing's not saying, like, all right, guys, let's go out and, like, do the best we can and, um, try to be competitive. No, he's saying, look, guys, let's go out, get some wins, show these people we're legit, and, you know, prove to them that we deserve to be taken seriously. So I feel like it's, it's appropriate for us to have the same mindset as fans. Yeah, and that's how you really rebuild your program, I think. It's not settling. It's always looking mm. how you can get better. Look at Nick yeah. in Alabama. I mean, they slaughtered Oklahoma. You know he went in that locker room and said, you know what, guys? We really didn't play that well today. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's some Belichick shit. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's – I think Ewing recognizes you can't ever be satisfied if you want to be one of the greats. Yeah. Yeah. I think he knows that too, given his playing career. Um and how short he was, you know, of like a championship or something. He's hungry. And we know Mac and James are hungry. They, they always talk about that. I mean, even in their post-game interview, they were like, you know, Mac, what's helped with your shot? Oh, just working a lot. You know, James, what do you have to improve on? Everything. Like, <laughs> I think we, the right mindset is there. <laughs> yeah, and the fact but that he said, he said that. I wasn't just, I wasn't just uh, shitting on him. He's like everything. And that's what, that's when you know that, there's something special about the way these kids are built. And we're blessed to have them here at Georgetown. Yeah, man. They're ours, for better or worse. It, despite all of the Twitter rumors of Mac transferring. I, <laughs> that they scared me. Yeah, I, one of them, like, one of the most ignorant ones was like, oh, he's a white boy and everyone hates him, so he should just transfer to Duke next year. And oh, I'm like, oh, if only it was that easy. <laughs> I don't think people hate McClung yet. Once we get good in McClung yeah. sports, you know, dancing Tripping. on kids, dunking on kids, then people are going to hate him. Um, yeah. I, he, that coach in high school, remember the coach that said, oh, you're going to Georgetown to sit? Oh. He's already eaten his words. <laughs> and Mac dropped 44 that game. <laughs> good. Good. Now, you know what? You good on Mac? Let's keep it rolling into Big East play. Got any concluding remarks before we no, man. split? I'm excited. That's all I got to say. We, 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 this has been definitely our longest episode, but a um, lot of thoughts, as you can tell. But I'm ready to see it live. You know, it's like a week as a Georgetown fan. To, it feels like a year. I mean, I'm, just, I'm already so ready for the next game. As am I, my friend. As am I. Um, with that being said, though, Again, Georgetown opens up Big East play January 2nd at uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse. 
Not the easiest place to play in, but it's against it's against Butler. It's a winnable game. Winnable. Let's start out. New year, new me. Let's go in and let's show the Big East. We're not a bottom dweller anymore. We're gunning for something a little bit better. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. It's our time. Maybe not yet, but it's our time to start thinking it's our time, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, that's going to put a ribbon on the podcast for 2018, though. Um, 2019 is much like uh, the year we expect Georgetown to step things up. We're also going to be stepping things up, too. Yes, we absolutely are. Um, and what we mean by that is we're going to be featuring more interviews. Um, we have, we're finally going to have an interview with a surprise player when we come back yeah. to the top for the next semester. Um, you guys are probably sick of hearing us talk so much anyway. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. We're really excited about it. We have some really great stuff planned for it. It's going to be unique, it's going to be different, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I promise you that. Hopefully oh, yeah. We get some more students on the podcast, and you know what? I'm kind of sick of doing it only once a week. Maybe we might try for twice a week. Ooh, okay. I like where you're going with that. I mean, we might, man. It, we can only text so much about this stuff. I feel like this is almost a more efficient use of our time. <laughs> yeah. It saves time. One of those 4 a.m., one of those... 4 a.m. you up text and I'm just like, all right, I'm there. Time to record. Podcast time. <laughs> An alarm just rise and grind. Oh yeah. <laughs> 6 a.m. Nah, the alarm's just playing welcome to DC. <laughs> oh my god. What a way to start out your day though. <laughs> You're just running on high octane fumes at that and you're just like motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> makes you hate waking up yeah. i would never turn off an alarm so fast i'd probably throw my phone out the window I would <laughs> break out the sledgehammer just back <laughs> like, no 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 not again never never yeah yeah uh, but with that being said we have very high expectations for ourselves too in addition to the team and we really think 2019 is going to be the year when uh things start to take off. I think we've laid a good foundation now um, and gotten some good initial feedback on, you know, how the whole operation is going, but we're not satisfied either. Never settle, baby. Never settle. Always rise and grind. Keep digging. That's what we're going to be. And uh, with that, have a happy new year. Have a safe new year. Have a fun new year. And let's hit it. Oh, it's sexy, guys.